All right. Well, thank you for joining me uh, today, entrepreneurs and C-Level and above executives. We are here today with a special guest, uh, Leon, and we are going to uh, share some good meeting information. So as you all know, we always talk about things that are going to help our business owners and our leadership uh, to prosper, move forward, be more productive, be more mindful and conscious in their particular day. And we help with all types of strategies, anything and everything that is relevant to helping uh, outcomes and revenue uh, skyrocket. So today uh, we have Leanne and she's going to be here in capacity of helping us to understand outsourcing and freelancing because that certainly can help us to um, have a, a better sense of time management and, and avenue throughout our day to maintain our energy because that is proficient in helping us with productivity. Now, she has a uh, company called 2XU Executive Services Incorporated. She also has a podcast, Virtual Ate Interviews, and her specialty, again, is outsourcing and freelancing. So I wanna tell you a little bit about uh, Leanne. She's a young Filipino uh, girl ball. So she started this process off really, really young. And I can contest to that because I started my career really, really young as well. Um, and she is a CEO and co-founder of 2XU. Now this is a remote um, executive assistance service company that helps uh, connect entrepreneurs with the right executive assistant. And I can tell you that is so important. So she has been working from home since 2011 and she has worked as a book editor um, at a US publishing company starting at age 18 and she became the CEO at age 20. That's quite impressive. And partner up with her uh, boss to start 2XU uh, executive services at the age of 23. Now, we know that we have some young entrepreneurs um, at this particular sta stage in the game because the internet gives us so many opportunities. Now, she also has a coaching brand and um, she trains people on how to work from home. So we're interested in really finding out some media and juicy information. Not only is she those things, but she's an international speaker as well. So grab your coffee, grab your tea, turn off all distractions. We want to gain some media information and in helping us to be efficient with time and helping us how to learn how to employ those people that can help us, especially for solopreneurs and even those executives that need an extra little hand. And that's what I teach in my coaching uh, strategy, learn how to use resources effectively. Even if you have an office full of folks, there's still some things that freelancers can help you with. So Leanne, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's actually uh, 10 p.m. here in the Philippines right now. So um, I like your energy. It's waking me up a little bit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So in the States, it's, it's about 9 a.m. for me. So uh, that energy, you have it at the very beginning of the, of the day. And so learning to preserve that energy is one key source to help me more productive. Now, where did you get started and how did you get started working online so young? 
Well, it was very much a kind of really me tinkering on the internet, just like you said, like that's how like a lot of the young entrepreneurs have gotten started. I was posting on a blog. I was also part of this Facebook group for writers where we would help each other out. And one of them literally saw me and said, hey, I really like the way you write. Can you write this way for my blog? Uh, And I was 15 years old at that time. I was uh, in the Philippines way before in that time uh it was where we just graduated college they changed that now but uh, i just graduated college i was kind of bored i was posting like two three times a week on my blog because it was summer uh and then that's kind of how i got started and then got like jumped from gig to gig kind of became a graphic artist in their video editor i kind of became became like someone who did events also at one point like online events at one point before there was such a thing as online events so i got to jump around with working online just because I would be willing to learn and be able to jump in like, okay, I can watch a YouTube video about this and see if I can learn this by myself. So it was a lot of that. And then uh, when I was 18, I started, I moved on my own to another city because I had really bad PTSD and then uh, worked for a US company, still working from home, but I was in another place. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I became CEO of 20, started this company two years ago. So it's been a very fun ride, but it, I, I go back every time to that 15-year-old Leanne who had no idea there was such a thing as working from home. My only dream at that point was to become a lawyer, the usual Asian plan. <laughs> so uh, that, that's kind of just how I got started. I think that's interesting. It's kind of off subject that because you're not the first uh you know, person for, from your particular area that I've interviewed and they were a lawyer, but they stopped practicing to do other <laughs> things. So I didn't know that it was culturally sound to become a lawyer. That's interesting. Okay. That's interesting to me. Now let's kind of talk about this in the context of you were gathering a lot of skills before you even knew you were gathering skills. And so that's mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it makes sense to become a freelancer outsourcing. But one of the things that I want to know is when did it click that this was a business opportunity, even though it may have seemed scattered? Kind of walk us through that. Well, it kind of clicked when my actually when my relatives hired me for a job. Um, it was something that, of course, it never seems real until someone like from your family or one of your friends really believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, up to that point, whenever I would receive a, a money through PayPal, I would send it to my mom's account because I was underage. I was a minor. Uh, so at that point, when my uncle actually hired me to do the video editing for their class reunion, I was like, I can really do this. This is something that uh, not just people I meet on the internet believe mm-hmm. in. It's something that my family believes in. And then it was then it was around that time that I that I started thinking like, okay, can I do this full time? Can I not just keep doing gigs? And uh, that that's kind of how I kind of did get started with the U.S. publishing because before that I just had gigs. I never had a full time uh, online job. I've never found it. Mm-hmm. And then I I found it with them. Okay, so for those that don't know, gigs is basically a terminology that means it's a job that someone hires a freelancer for. Um, Okay, so it was at that moment that you understood. It sounds to me that your validation came from your family, which increased your confidence at that particular point. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And, and so then you did all of your necessary things in corporation and things that particular sort, or when did it become really a full-blown uh, business that you put everything in its structure? 
Well, it was around when I did become CEO. I because at that point I was I was you know I wasn't anymore a freelancer. I was more employed. I was starting uh-huh. to run a business, and then that's when I started seeing all the different parts that went into it. Because of course, before it was just me. It was me finding clients. It was me taking care of them and making mm-hmm. sure that I delivered. And at that point, when I became CEO, I'm not anymore that person. I'm now taking care of the people. I'm not focused on the finances part, which is yeah. really scary at 20. I was more focused on growing and making sure that everything was in its place. So that mm-hmm. was when it really clicked. Because before then, I was just. It felt like I was just playing around. It mm-hmm. felt like I wasn't really. You know, I was just working. I wasn't really thinking of it as a business until it came to that point where I was given that, you know, zoomed out version of what a business looks like. So the responsibility in another company helped you to understand what business really was. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, to my understanding, there was an event that happened in your life that kind of uh, circled or or made this thing uh, real for you. You want to tell us about that event? They help shape. Yes. Uh, basically, um, seven years and uh, two days ago now, uh, because it was it happened on November eighth. Basically, there was a superstorm, and it's still the strongest superstorm to have ever make a landfall. We kind of got we're at the very center of it. It was. Um, you know, a normal, it was a normal Friday. It was one of those days where we're, we're very used to having a storm because we lived facing the Pacific Ocean. So we were used to it. So we thought it was like normal day. You know, we, we packed our food. And then at that time, um, when, when it was happening, I was even just cooking breakfast. We were all chill. We were like, okay, if the lights go out, we know where the candles are. So it was very kind of routine. But then water started coming in our house, and that's never happened, where it was like starting to rush up. And I can I keep getting goosebumps even though I've told this story a billion times, where it started just my my siblings were screaming and we were all panicking and we were trying to get everyone up to our second floor. Luckily we did and a lot of people didn't and were unlucky because the water started rising up really fast. Yeah. And then at one point our windows, which was glass, shattered open, which of course led in more water. Luckily my family members were already on the way up, but I was left downstairs because I am the eldest, so I went back to get more food just in case that we were going to be stuck there. I didn't know if, if it was going to be a flood for days. So I went like, okay, no way. Um, you guys go. I'll, I'll, I'll go and grab the, the plastic bag with the um, all the food. I'll grab all the, the matches that we have and the candle. And then so I was walk, like, you can imagine, I was walking in one hand with a plastic uh, box with the food. On the left hand, I had the uh, the big candle that we had and on my mouth was actually a matchbox. Because I was trying to just get everything in. And I had like... All my all of our electronics have been wet at this point. We have no idea how to contact people, and both my parents were out of town because, again, we thought it was just going to be a routine kind of storm. We were watching Disney movies the the day before, so um, we I, we got to the point where everyone was upstairs, and I was the only one left. And my mother's furniture, because they were all wood, started floating up, and they were floating towards me, mm-hmm. and I could feel the water up almost up up to my mouth and it was literally a flash moment mm-hmm. imagine an 18 year old girl who had, who had plans to become a lawyer because that was the set plan of where i wanted to go i looked at that life of the you know the, the, the life flashing before your eyes that happened mm-hmm. it happened but it also happened where i saw everything beyond that like everything after i graduate from college everything after i go through law school and find a job somewhere outside of the philippines because that was the path yeah, and sure. i I hated it. I hated it with a, it was like, it was, it was, 
it was like a split second, but it felt like I still remember it felt like forever of me going through my life and seeing everything. And then I literally thought I am going to change my life. And I spit out that matchbox because it was still in my mouth. Um, I screamed for my brother. He, he ran down. I gave him all of the food, all the candles. Up to this day, I still have no idea how to do it. I tried to do it at home, but I got to our second floor using the landing. Um, and I'm, I'm flexible because I used to be a ballerina, but I'm not that flexible where I could barrel over and I got myself to safety. I still, again, no idea how I did it. It took four hours for the water to subside, thank God. Um, but the next week we were scounging, we, we, were, we were, you know, seeing the dead bodies. We were seeing the aftermath, basically, of that big of a superstorm. And since then until today, I, I always live by that of, of, of the decision that I made. You know, I, I, I dropped out of college. I moved here on my own against my, my parents' wishes. But I built myself a life that I'm happy, that I'm proud of. And it, I always go back to that day. Until, until now, I still have PTSD. I go, like last week, I was in super deep depression because I knew the day, the anniversary date was coming. Mm -hmm. So even though that still comes up, that, that the depression, anxiety, the PTSD still has, is, is still in me. Mm -hmm. I, I built this life. You know, I, I took out the life that was supposed to be meant for me. And I'm, I built a life that I love and I enjoy um, being able to have a business that I have, even though in a million years, I never thought of myself as someone who would be uh, running a business. I thought I would be an employee or, <laughs> or a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just love the way that I that everything has turned out in the last eight years. Okay. All right. So how is it having, you know, a mental health concerns and running a business? How does it affect your functioning and your cash flow? A lot of it is based on systems. So I love setting up systems ever since I learned how to do them. And I know that things will be kind of like habits. That's, that's the way that I think of them is my habits will always catch me if I'm going adrift if and will always be kind of the gauge that I know that I'm going bad. So it's the same thing with, with systems. So systems, if I'm not continuously doing this one thing, I know things will start uh, going back. It's a symptom of something is underneath, is, is wrong in the core. So that's how I've been able to, even though I'm running I, I currently help consult um, with the whole company that we have. We have like 50 something employees now. I know that because I have set up the right systems, it, it still runs even without me because the, re, and the, the underlying reason for that is I have amazing people. I have amazing people that I can rely on who now that they know the system, I could disappear off the face of the earth, honestly, for about two months at least, okay. and everything will still be fine because I've set it up, because I've trained them, I, I've given them the ultimate power and authority to be able to run things even when I'm not there. So. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of biggest things. It's just I have systems and I have really awesome people who back me up when I need them. Okay. So I guess one, uh, the, the psych medical provider in me just want to ask you about, you know, those times when you do feel like you are down. What are there strategies? Are there tools that you use? Because I know that there are a lot of people, not just entrepreneurs, not just executives that's dealing with depression and anxiety, especially because of the 
it could be mental health as genetics portion, but it also could be the pressure of the job. So in those times, although your business does not need you specifically to run, what's, how do you get out of that phase? So a lot of it was knowing that I had it, knowing that uh, I had to really acknowledge it because I would, before I got actually diagnosed, because okay. in the Philippines, the stigma of mental health is so big. It's gotten better in the last couple of years. But at that point, I was scared to see a psychologist. I was scared to take antidepressants. You know, it would damage me, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. my whole life, now I know this because I did go to a therapist. My whole life, I did have anxiety already. Um, it was just, I was just always being told that it was all in my head. So it was really hard for me to get over that first hump of like, okay, I have this thing. It doesn't have to define me, but it's something that I have to work with and, and deal with. And then um, once I had that, then I started building my habits, which is, you know, meditating, it's journaling, it's getting outside, which is why the, the lockdowns actually drew me crazy really bad for a few months there. But, um, you know, now we're able to move around here. Um, it's then after that, after I built my own systems, then I know that people can basically in, in, in a lot of different ways, people know when I'm down, when I'm not feeling well, so they know that they can kick in, they can help me move things around. And I have, I have an awesome assistant who also helps me out and make sure that I get things done even when I'm off, because mm -hmm. I call it basically, I'm, I'm autopilot, I'm on autopilot whenever I am depressed, which sounds weird, but it's because of all of the habits that I have set up, that even though I'm so detached, even though I don't want to get up, I still for some reason, still do get up. I still get on Zoom meetings with clients. I'm still able to finish out any reports or any major tasks that need to get done. And then I can go go and rest and kind of repair and work on myself. So having also a really good support system with my assistant and also my mentor helps a lot in making sure that even on days where nothing seems to go right for me, just because that's the way that I'm thinking, I'm still kind of saved in that way because I've, I have that group because I first acknowledged everything had to start with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now, I appreciate you sharing your story. A lot of people are so afraid to share their story, but the, the more you share, the more you acknowledge, like you said, the more you can get on track to help you to be the healthiest person. And so I appreciate that vulnerability. So this big uh, incident helped shape you. It helped you understand who you are now, what systems that you need to put in place for your business, and it sounds like for yourself as well. And then, then mm -hmm. one of these things that I hear you really talking about is self-care. So mm -hmm. as a CEO at the age of 20, what big lessons did you learn and what propelled you to learn those systems from challenges? Well, the biggest one, which I had to learn literally within two months of me being uh, given the title, was to hire the right people. <laughs> um, we had to fire 20 people in one day because we basically what happened was the company was growing so the the publishing company was growing so fast then of course then we were bringing in people and because I was so new at managing people at leading people I was just hiring if their resume looked good if their test came back great then they're hired they're working with us what I we didn't filter out for that point was values we didn't filter out for if their personality was even right because a lot of people can't handle working from home so it was a, that was the first thing was 
within two months of me being CEO, with me being able to look at people's hours, being able to see people's reports, I started finding out that there was a really big toxicity problem within the company, something that I already felt before I became CEO, but I never, I got the bigger confirmation once I was able to see everyone else's work. Um, and it was, it was basically people who thought that they were better than, than all of us, people who thought that they could run their own publishing company, which funny enough, two months after we fired them, they did start one and then published one book and failed. Um, so it was, it was definitely like a character problem. It was definitely a personality problem. So that was the biggest one that I had to learn because we literally went from a company of 25 to just five and yeah. I had to do everything. It, was, it didn't even feel like I got a promotion because I was still editing books. I was still creating graphic covers. I was still, you know, doing the stuff that I did before I got promoted because, you know, I had to wear all of the hats all of a sudden because we, we, we were running really at the, the skeleton manpower. So that was the, the, the biggest one. And this um, one that I still keep having to learn because I'm no one's perfect. Sometimes people tell me, uh, you know, a really good story about themselves and I believe them just because I always still believe people are the best at heart. Um, but that's definitely the biggest one is you could have, you know, the smartest person in the room, you could have the, you know, best resume, they've been recommended by so many people, but if they don't have the right character or personality, they're going to be a, a bigger problem uh, later on. Yeah, and I think uh, you make several great points there. Number one, the point of entrepreneurs and leaders having fear in delegating or teaching people what they know for that same exact reason, afraid that they are mm -hmm. stealing ideas. So I know that you are learning to overcome that. Um, you know, here's the here is how I answer that. I say nobody can be me. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. nobody has gone through the experiences. Nobody has gone through my type of uh, perspective from my education, from my family background, from my faith. From So nobody has all of the pieces to be me. That's what mm -hmm. I have learned. And so therefore, because I had uh, concerns years ago, I've been in business for a long time. And I've also, you know, been in executive roles with big corporations, but I will tell you this, that during the course of those, that particular time frame, I began to define why it was necessary for me to delegate versus why it was not necessary for me to delegate. Because people have a hard time letting things over because they feel like nobody else can do it better than them. Do you mm -hmm. hear a lot of that kickback from some of your new clientele? Do you hear that a lot? It's uh, definitely one of the first lessons that we kind of we kind of make sure that they kind of understand mm -hmm. is that they're here. They're they're approached us to get uh, you know to have them have an executive assistant to train an executive assistant because they can do it themselves. So yeah. that's one of the things that one of our processes is actually less list down like okay, what are the tasks that you don't really have to do, and what are the tasks that will help free up everything because everyone you know there's different ter terms for this like zone of genius but there's, there's always the one thing that you're good at for you as a coach is when you actually talk to people so right. everything else before that someone else can do you know you know taking care of your clients like sending them gifts for example for their birthday or it could be doing the lead generation for you or posting on social media which is usually one of the first things that you delegate anyway so you have to kind of realize that that you're already drowning. That's why you're asking for help. So if you're not going to give this kind of the fully 
like the full thing, we're not going to be able to help you. That's that's one of the first things because I had to deal with that where it was really hard for me to admit that I needed an assistant as well. So I went through literally the same thing. Um, and I have like a ton, I still have like a ton of quotes around my room where one of the, my favorite is just, if someone can do it 80% um, as well as you, then just delegate it. So that's, that's kind of like, yeah. One of the major lessons that I had to learn, and it's the same thing that you said, of you had to learn that no one can really do it as well as you. And I luckily learned that early on when they did start the publishing company and failed because I'm like, oh, yeah, they don't have my marketing experience. They don't have this kind of thing that I, I had to go through to be able to, to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, it's happened at least two other times where people said, oh, I can do this better than you and failed. <laughs> so I that's been proven over and over again where people try to steal um, ideas or concepts or stuff that I'd done, but because they didn't go through all the crap that I had to go through, they, they still had to learn it from scratch and they still failed in that way. So mm-hmm. you have to realize that if you're really scared of delegating, if you're really scared of giving people access to your Facebook or your social media, keep in mind that you are still you and also keep the other side of it keep in mind is the world is so abundant the world is so big you Mm -hmm. are right now you're talking to someone who's in the philippines um and like that's halfway around the world and there's going to be so many other combinations of people that you're going to meet that you never really if they do successfully start a business that's the same as yours like literally the same as yours then good for them that means that they figured it out even without having to go through what you did that doesn't mean it's competition doesn't mean it's a bad thing but keeping in mind that when you're delegating you want to build that loyalty you want to foster that you know that they want to keep working with you that they want to keep helping you grow because that's essentially how you build a business is you keep finding people who will want to work with you will want to help you who believe in your vision and whatever it is so as as a business owner that works online, how do you manage your staff? You, I heard you say you have a large amount of staff. So what are some ways, some strategies that you can teach us that maybe we don't know that help will help us to be effective in managing our people online and offline? So there's three things that I usually make sure that is covered, especially when we're working with clients, is the first thing is making sure that you're giving them the the right tasks. Exactly what we're talking about is making sure that it is the task that help you make money because a lot of the time you just Mm -hmm. throw tasks at them without even verifying that it does help us make money. Um, And then, so that's the first one is making sure that you're giving the right tasks, making sure that uh, it's clear to them as well. You're not just throwing tasks at them mm-hmm. you, you're showing them how it's done and then the second one is systems which is my favorite part it's making sure that you document things uh, there's an easier way that I, I always remember is basically say what you do which is document everything that you're doing and you have to do what you say you have to follow the document or else it's it's going to be worthless so wow. that's why systematization helps a lot because it's it's faster when it comes to training when i'm giving someone a new tool i train them on it they they help me create the system and then they can train other people i don't have to be the person who's a parrot talking over and over again showing people how to do things from uh, from scratch mm-hmm. so that's the second one and then the last one is building loyalty it's building that like I said, building the want for people to stay, building the want for people to keep working with you because they like your vision, they like you as a person as well. Because that's essentially what my boss got. Um, I he got he built that loyalty with me, so that's why even when I wanted to start a new company, I still wanted to do it with him because I believed in his vision. I believed in him as a mentor as well. So it was basically a way. It's 
of building that loyalty is basically a way that I've now stayed here for six years. I'm still working with them. I have my own company, but it's still connected a lot with what they're doing because of that. It's building loyalty is as easy as just asking them, how are you doing? How was your day? And basically the, the essential question is, do you need anything? Because a lot of the time when you're working with VAs, you don't see them. They, you don't know sometimes they're struggling, that they're sweating, that they're sick, that they have a family emergency. So just asking them how you're doing and do you need anything helps them kind of break out of that of like, okay, I'm really struggling with this. I'm really trying to do my best, but I've been failing. I really need your guidance. Is this something you can help with? And of course, as, as the business owner, as the boss, you're going to be like, oh yeah, no worries. I'll take care of it. You know, you know, we'll, we'll do this. This, this is something that I actually went through already. You know, this is how you fix it. I'm sorry I wasn't able to give you instructions because a lot of the time the biggest mistake that people make when working with people online is assuming that they just know what to do, that the VA will know what to do next. So doing all those three, like, again, making sure the right tasks, it's systematizing and also just checking in on them, building that loyalty is going to be the top three things that even though you've never seen each other in person and a lot of the people, because we've been in a pandemic, I've never seen a lot of our employees. It's still, they're still growing. They're still building. They still want to be in the company aside from the pay basically. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you build loyalty? What, what are some key steps that one can take to build loyalty with their particular employees? Well, one of them was that, was checking in on them. It's it's that small step of, of checking in on them and making sure that they're okay. And they have the, what they need um, because sometimes they, they just needed the one tool that you have, but they have no idea what it is um, that, that will help unlock all kinds of productivity. The other one is then investing in their growth. So for me, I, I'm a huge bibliophile, which is why I wanted to start uh, working in a publishing company in the first place. And when my boss found out about that, he started giving me business books. He started giving me like, I, I still have some of them even on my table just because I was talking about like, I have books like Richest Man in Babylon. I have books like The E-Myth and Influence. So these are all books that as I started learning other stuff about you know, the on-hand stuff about how, how to run a business, I, I already kind of had the structure because of the books, because of the courses that I was given access to. So never be afraid to invest in their brains, basically, in their education, in the way that they can think bigger, not just their skills-wise. Mm -hmm. Because we can, again, you can have the most skilled copywriting in the world, but if their mindset is so limited, if their mindset is only just, okay, I'm just going to get here, get my paycheck and leave, then they're not going to help you grow that business. They're, that's someone who's just going to probably be a one-time freelancer. You probably want to have someone who is invested in your growth, who is invested in your company, because that's the biggest thing that will help you in the long run. So those are the two main things is checking in on them and then making sure or helping them grow in whatever way that looks like. How often should you check in on them, being that they are a freelancer, they, they are VA, and you're giving them these particular jobs and tools, how often should you check in on them? On the first week, I actually recommend, first week or first two weeks, I recommend almost daily, just Monday to Friday, is checking, that's just the chat, it's just sending them a Slack you know, message or messenger, um, it's just checking like, hey, how are you doing, if you need anything, uh, any help, and then it's just once a week checking in, and then usually um, it'll be, because they're used to not communicating with you, they're, they're comfortable communicating with you, uh -huh. they'll be the ones to approach you, they'll be the ones to talk to you, that's the, that's the, thing that happens every time is just check in them once a day and then soon once you're kind of sync um then you just have to check in them once a week or maybe even twice a month um mm -hmm. at that point 
Okay. Now, we, we were talking about loyalty just a few minutes ago. And so one of the things that I want to know from you, do you, along with loyalty, along with showing that you care, along with checking in with them, do you provide your staff with any other incentives that keeps them? Because a VA has the flexibility, right, to go and do, especially after they began to learn. So are there any bonuses, anything extra that you do to help them to stay committed to your company? Well, basically, it's also, of course, about providing whatever basic government needs. Uh, since we have the corporation in the Philippines, you know, we make sure that they have their social security, their HMO, all of the medical stuff. And all the, at, at the same time, the other thing that really kind of keeps them is just having them also like network with everyone else in the company because we do have a really big filter to get people in. I know that everyone else who comes in are, are nice, who are funny, who are, you know, really smart because of, they had to pass of all of our tests. So yeah. networking them in that way, like having them meet each other, even though it's just all through Zoom. You know, when we do our Zoom meetings, it's like full of like 50 people on, on one screen, but doing that just gives them like, oh, I have a, I have someone behind me. I have, I have a tribe behind my back. I have, you know, a backup if I needed some help, even though I had no idea how to do this one thing, I can tap someone or I can ask, you know, Leanne if she knows someone in the company who can help me out. So even if a executive assistant really needed help on like a website, we can tap someone from the software company of like, hey, can you help her out with this? So doing that of, of having that network, having them talk builds more of a reason for them to stay, not just because they have friends here, but because they know that if in a pinch, they can always ask for help. So them understanding that they have community of support is one of the mm -hmm. you provide. Okay. Yep. Well, Lynn, if, if a business owner or an executive wanted to reach out to inquire about your services, where can they go to find out more information? So they can go to 2xu.com. So that's just 2xyou.com. That's all of the information there and how to be able to book a call with us. Um, and basically also my Facebook page is just for anyone who also wants to talk about if you just want general advice on how to work on how to work with freelancers or how to work from home. Um, it's just my it's just my name all in uh, one word is L-E-A-N-L-A-A-L-A-C-A-V-A. -A -A -A. Um, but it's just my uh, Facebook page where I just respond to every message that I get. And we'll put some of those things in the description as well. So they can find you on Facebook there. Can they find you anywhere else on social media? I am all I'm on everywhere because I am also a YouTuber so I have all, I have a uh, social media links in everywhere I have Instagram LinkedIn I have like I said YouTube I'm on Pinterest um, so basically it's just my name every time I have the same username for everything so it's easy to find me okay well you know I appreciate you being here and um we're going to go ahead and close out the show today. We do appreciate our special guest today, uh, Leanne. And I want to help you understand that while having a VA or a freelancer may be scary initially, after you get over the fear hump, they can be very, very helpful in helping you to save time. Now, time is the new money. And so the more time you can get back, the more freedom that you can have. So consider going to her site to inquire about her particular services. So guys, I thank you for tuning in. Remember that new episodes come out every Thursday. So make it a great productive day and we'll see you next week. Bye for now.